0: This is Museum Secrets from the Ashmolean. I'm your host, Lucy Dawkins, and every day I'll be bringing you a bite-sized undercover story from our collections. Step in through the front doors and join me for some joyful, wonderful, and sometimes bizarre tales hidden in the objects. We will be going behind the scenes and beyond the labels, into dark corners of the storerooms and into the minds of the curators. In this episode, we're taking a trip to the Ashmolean's Western Art Print Room, tucked away in one wing of the museum. This is one of the great hidden treasures of Oxford. It's a quiet room packed with drawers and drawers of works on paper, such as sketches, prints and watercolours. You sit down at a table and the brilliant staff lay out masterpieces right in front of you you can spend an hour in the company of Michelangelo or Raphael looking at their works up close. And the amazing thing about the print room is that it's usually open to everyone, so long as you book in advance. It's currently under temporary closure to keep everyone safe during these strange times. But soon enough, we hope to welcome you back to it and spending time exploring the Ashmolean's collection of prints and drawings can be a revelatory experience, as curator Lena Fritsch recently discovered. Here she is to tell us more. So
1: this story is personal. It is a story about the wonders of working as a curator, and perhaps it is also a story about the wonders of life. When I joined the Ashmolean in 2017 as their first curator of modern and contemporary art, I knew that most of the modern and contemporary collections would be drawings and prints. What I didn't know was that many of them entered the museum as gifts and that there was no collection strategy. Well, basically, it's a slightly eclectic mix and definitely includes surprises. As the museum doesn't have enough space, and as works on paper shouldn't be exposed to light for too long anyway, the majority of works on paper are usually hidden in drawers. One of the joys during my first months at the museum was discovering hidden gems while familiarizing myself with the collection. I soon discovered a series of abstract prints by Danish-British artist Peter Hidegard from the 1960s. The works are minimal, They focus on bright colors and simple geometric forms and they reflect the artist's fascination with color, the relationship between color and composition, and color theories. They're self-contained works that represent hard-edged abstraction, but they're not cold or unemotional works at all. They convey a joyful, poetic atmosphere and they mirror the artist's interest in the emotional responses to abstract art. They appear very retro, they're very 60s, and yet I felt that they also looked really contemporary. I loved the colours, the style, and the technical quality of the printing. I was not familiar with Peter Hedegaard and did some research. I found out that he was born in Copenhagen in 1929, and the family had moved to England when he was a child. He studied literature in Grenoble and in Oxford at Hertford College, but he was also very interested in visual art and music. As a self-taught artist, he lived in London and was very active in the 1960s and 70s, creating a considerable number of prints, as well as drawings and large-sized paintings, before deciding to not longer make works. There was a brief period in the 90s when he created works again, but then in 2008, Hildegard passed away. In the 60s and 70s, his work was exhibited in various galleries, in London, in Cambridge, in Oxford, at Berlin Gallery, as well as Oxford Gallery. And he had a show at Icon Gallery in Birmingham. His work was also exhibited in Germany and France. And he's represented in collections ranging from the VNA and British Museum to the Daimler Art Collection in Stuttgart. However, after minimal art fell out of fashion in the 1980s, Hedegaard's work was not exhibited for decades. You could really say that it has been overlooked. A couple of years after I discovered Hedegaard's prints, Isolde Hedegaard, the artist's widow, contacted us. Visiting the Ashmolean, she wanted to see Peter's works in the print room. Together with my colleague Anne van Kamp, we soon found ourselves chatting away in the cafe, We talked about Peter's prints, about art, about music, and about life in general. I learned from Isolde that as of 1967, it was actually her who made Peter's screen prints. With Peter's help, she set up a work area on a ping-pong table in the living room of their home in Belsize Park and taught herself. They soon had a routine. Peter designed the works and mixed the colours, and Isolde printed for her husband. Meticulously paying attention to detail. Peter never attempted to learn screen printing, while Isolde really enjoyed the technical side of things. She also managed the printing of shapes that were rather difficult technically, such as circles. Isolde said that she never realized that she was good at screen printing until one day a professional printer saw her work and praised its quality. Isolde was asked to work for another artist studio, actually, but she declined. Her focus was bringing up their family, and she never considered working for anyone but Peter. Then we talked about our German heritage. Isolde is originally from Bochum, not too far away from my hometown, and we talked about life in London, a city of 8.9 million people. The very first time I visited London was in the mid-90s, as a child with my parents. My father, Johannes Fritsch, who was a composer, had a German American friend in Belsize Park. He was also a composer and musician, Rolf Gehlhaar. Together with his wife and children, he lived in an Edwardian house, which was full of character. My father and Rolf had met in the early 1960s, touring the world with the avant garde composer Karlheinz Stockhausen as members of the Karlheinz Stockhausen Ensemble. After they performed at the famous Expo World Fair in Osaka in Japan in 1970, they left the ensemble and their father figure, Karl Heinz, and co-founded the feedback studio Kern, the first composer-run studio and publishing house in Germany, actually. So we were speaking about music and art, and um, Isolde told me that Peter had always loved classical music and avant-garde music, ranging from Nielsen to Rachmaninoff to Stockhausen. Peter and Isolde had moved to Belsize Park in 1963. And then she said that their friendly neighbor, who had recently passed away, was in fact a composer. Now, there are not that many composers in Belsize Park, and it turns out that the neighbor Isolde was referring to was Rolf. The house in London where I stayed during my very first visit was almost right next to Peter and Isolde Hiedegard's home, where they created the Prince that I then discovered in the Ashmolean's collection. I want more people to know about Hedegaard's work, and I hope that the artist, whose estate is now represented by Rocket Gallery in London, will soon be rediscovered. The works in the Ashmolean are gorgeous prints, not only representing minimal art of the 1960s, but also high quality screen printing. They are collaborative works, really, And they would not exist without Isolde Hedegaard. And for me personally, these works remind me about the very strange conundrums that life sometimes has to offer. Perhaps my father Johannes Fritsch, Rolf Gilhar and Peter Hedegaard are all sharing a glass of red wine in heaven, discussing music and laughing about
0: this weird coincidence. Thank you for listening to today's episode if you want to have a closer look at Peter and Isolde's Uplifting Prints, check out the link in the podcast notes. And if you want to go on an adventure in the Ashmolean's prints and drawings collections for yourself, keep an eye out on the Ashmolean's website for information about the reopening of the Western Art Print Room. Join us for our next museum secret, in which we are going to meet a camel with a complicated past. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate, review and share the podcast. It helps other listeners find us.